0: Hey guys, it's Hall, back here with another Walk in the Hall podcast. Um, I know it's been quite a while since I've had done one. It's been probably five or six seasons. It was the first season with Baltimore it was the last time I did a podcast. And I looked it up. It looks like March 26, 2021 was the last podcast that came out. So thank you for sticking around for this 10-month wait. I would like to declare myself as the best annual podcast about simulation football on the internet currently. Um... But it is, it's looking like it's about to snow, about to get snowed in for the weekend. So I'm probably, probably looking to be very busy over the next three days. So I figured this is the best time to go ahead and get this podcast recorded. Uh, and the reason I wanted to do a podcast was kind of to just talk about everything that's going on, you know, the last time I had a podcast when we first joined in Baltimore, I think maybe we were a season out down we were coming off 0 16 year we had a bunch of young faces that we were still kind of getting to know each other a lot of the players that are on baltimore now weren't on that team back then so i figured you know do a new one kind of talk to the new players a little bit kind of let them ask their questions and kind of talk about their experiences and things like that and i kind of need money because i'm the brokest gm in the simulation football league so i figured why not you know I don't like writing media so I'm decided to just talk for 30 to 45 minutes and if you listen to me great if you don't doesn't matter I get paid anyway. So uh to kind of date this podcast we are coming off of our fifth win against Sarasota. Uh, pretty solid win if I do say so. We're in a 5 and 1 season which is probably the best start I've ever had in the history of this league. And it's it has been an absolute blast. Just to see the locker room jumping and bumping, everyone having the time of their life. And it's it's good to see all this hard work that started off when Frick and I first took over all those seasons ago where we were bottom rung, picking first overall three, four seasons in a row to finally see us starting off to be the team we always envisioned us to be. Uh, unfortunately, Frick well, he stepped down and isn't able to really bask in his greatness for everything he helped build. So we bring in TG in just to kind of, you know, collect the paycheck and have some fun. And we had to get the international people. He has a very big uh, Australian following from what I've heard. He's got a lot of female fans out there that really, really enjoy watching him on the sideline and up in the press box. So we had to get that in. We needed the TikTok followers. So we bring in NTG and all of a sudden we're winning. So, I mean, obviously he's doing something right. But it's been it's been a real solid first six weeks. We, I mean, we're averaging, what, 30 points a game it feels like. I mean, I know we're giving up almost 30. But still, the defense has been amazing. The offense has been amazing. Uh, we really haven't had a big stat-stealing player. You know, a lot of teams, they have these guys that are The obvious front runners when it comes to awards. Fortunately, we haven't had that offensively. We're still playing with the playbooks. We're still playing with the strats and hoping that we can get the best out of every player. I know everyone in the locker room is working really hard to make their player as good as they can. Everyone obviously wants Pro Bowls, wants awards, wants to have a Hall of Fame career. And I really want to help them get to that, especially with us bringing in three huge free agents in the offseason with uh, Dulio. Bex and I guess Infinite, we technically brought him back in. Um, even though he was on the team, it was kind of like a re signing, but with a lot of flair. Um, and also, I hope I'm saying Dulio correctly because I don't think I've ever said Dulio out loud before. So I'm going to find this is actually where it's like Duelo or something like that. But for the rest of this podcast, you're going to be Dulio. And if you have a problem with it, you know, just message me and I'll figure that out. But we brought those three in to really revitalize our team. We're at the point now as a as a franchise where we're ready to make that next step, where we had a solid into the season last year. We end up picking up five wins, and we were a game or two out of making the playoffs. And it felt like the conference was in striking range where we could make that jump up and become a playoff team. So we went out, spent the money, made some moves to really bulk up our team, both offensively and defensively. And so far, it's been great. I mean, this is... We have the best rush defense in the league. We have the fourth best pass defense, second best rushing offense, you know, passing offense, we can do some work, but I think that's a lot of that is strategy. We're going with, we're going with a more dump and dive kind of offense. We're really not taking those huge shots. We're just kind of methodically trying to march down the field and it's working out. Um, Obviously we want to get those better stats. We have um, three amazing wide receivers, two amazing tight ends. We have a, Two great running backs that are also good pass catchers that, even though they're running the ball good, probably want to get a couple passes and catches under their uh, under the belt. And obviously, Gimme wants to have a huge season. He's due for a big breakout year. Uh, he's done a couple interceptions this year. A lot of that might be strategy. We're getting away from the big drop back and sling it, the hope and pray offense he's been in his whole career, going to something a little bit more timing based. And I think it's kind of hurting him. But we're we're playing with it. We want to get the best out of this team. We we still have half the season left. You know, we still got ten more games left. The season's still real young. Anything could happen. So we really want to make sure we're in the best case that come week 16 that we know we're safe in the playoffs. And hopefully we can hold on to this first round, this first uh, seed. But Chicago's right there on us, and we still have to play them twice. So it's gonna be well, once we played them week one. I don't even know the schedule. So it's still going to be it's still going to be a journey. Hopefully we can keep it up. I we're on top of the world right now in the locker room. Things are floating around and I'm hoping that we can keep this energy up and we can keep this success up because all of these players we have in this locker room deserve, you know, some playoff success and something big. A lot of these guys and gals have been riding out a long, slow, painful rebuild and would love to do everything possible to give them this opportunity to shine on the biggest stage and i think we're we're finally at the point where we can do it I mean, we still have some things that might not be sustainable obviously our passing offense can you know we could use a little work but again i think that's just strategy and that's just finding timing and i i really think that we could do something special this year for baltimore that hasn't been done in many seasons and something i've definitely never been a part of you know i have an 0 and one playoff record and I really do think the sim is the sim is cursed against I don't know Philadelphia me something Philadelphia was on top of the world last year you know coming into the playoffs as the team to beat and then this year they've only got what two wins so I I feel bad for them it feels like it's like only one of us could be successful at a time I guess it's, maybe it's a curse that's followed me or followed Philadelphia so I'm really hoping that they you know they turn around too we can meet in the playoffs and really have a good you know little rivalry going there um so got a few questions that people have asked here and there and i'm gonna go ahead and read through those if i can pull them up correctly i always like asking for questions it's always fun to see what people think and what people want to know and things like that or you know just something that maybe they want announced publicly so i'm gonna start off and looks like the first question comes from green bay nathan and he asked why is baltimore suddenly good uh i think it's just years and years and years of us building up to finally get where we were uh like when frick and i took over and we basically had to start over from scratch a lot of the high earners on the team and a lot of the big users they wanted to be traded out they wanted to go somewhere they can win which we understood that you know they didn't want to ride out another rebuild especially coming off an 0-16 season so we had some young users that were 100 percent on board and some of them are still around today on the team, like Lucas and Thomas. You know, they they've been here since day one. Uh, TDZ. You know, these these guys were kind of they buckled up and they knew that what the rebuild was going to be, and they were sold immediately that you know we told them that we were going to be good one day, and if we just kept working hard, it would happen. So all of those years of having the first overall pick and having three first round picks and say two first round picks and you know, making these trades to grab more of these young players, it's finally paying off. You know, we've picked up some great people over the years with Big Red, you know, Infinite, Shady, Dulio, Jelly, obviously, Trimple. Which really I don't think I've ever seen Trimple out loud. So I wonder if it's Trimpel or Trimpale or Trimpali. I don't know. It's German. Um, but we've picked up these great people. I mean, even the ones that aren't as vocal that maybe are not as known around the league. Like, you know, you like Pasta. He's really... He might not be as known as much as, you know, Big Red or Infinite or Dulio or Shady. And these guys have just slowly, head down, kept working. Like, Jenko, that man is a monster. And his player is having a heck of a year from the defensive end spot. And it's just amazing to see these people have all come in and grown i mean we've had a couple hiccups here and there we've had some people you know want to be traded out and didn't you know retire to writing out the the rebuild and want to have success other places and things like that but that's going to happen with any rebuild that happened when i was with philly and our long rebuild and it's just kind of something that we're building towards and we've been building towards and finally this offseason we decided this is the time and i'm sorry my baby is crying so one second all right and that was a seamless edit right there so um, what we were going to try to do is, you know, we brought in these big hitters with Bex and Dulio and then bring infinite back. You know, that's 3000 TPE. We just walked into our locker room one morning and that was finally the piece that brought us over. All right. Seamless edit two. sorry. Tri- trials of fatherhood going on today. But um, basically we were at this point where we've been building to for a long time having these young players we brought in over the years, finally growing to their potential, bringing in two amazing free agents, and then had some changes in our game plan, just kind of do something that were a little bit less aggressive and tried to be a little bit more methodical. And it's really helped us. So I know it kind of looks like we're suddenly good just because we went from five wins all last year to five wins in the first six games this year. But we really plan on that. This is our breakout year and something that hopefully continues to grow. All right, so it looks like the next group of questions comes from Infinite. And his first question is, who has the smallest potatoes on the team? Um, Now this is a team that employs world's smallest potatoes, Thomas Hanks. And I know I was caught saying he has average sized potatoes. After his big sack safety in week one, um, I got caught up in the moment. You know, I, I was full of adrenaline and excitement, so I would like to take that back and say he has below average potatoes. So, uh, that answers your question. The smallest potatoes on the team still belongs to Mr. Thomas Hanks. Uh, the second question by Infinite is Goose or Quick? This is the tale oldest time. Beauty and the Beast's. Goose and Quick. Um, I'm just going to say it and be honest. You know, you both are amazing. I love you both equally. You know, I do not have a favorite. But Quick has never once threatened to put himself on the trade block or threatened to, to enter for agency whenever we make a joke about him playing quarterback. So I'm just saying, you know, I'm not saying that I love Quick more, but he has been a little more loving towards us, if you want to put it like that. Uh, to Infinite's next question is Graf or Mahiai? Now this, another one, very heated debates that happen in within the locker room every day. I love both of you equally. Both Graf and Mahiai. And for those of you who don't know, Graf and Mahiai are Trimpail and King Jellyfish, the two German tight ends. Um, you both are amazing. You both are great. You both have your your, your goods. Then You both are good at different things. You know, I I hate that you always make me choose who the better tight end is because you both are great tight ends. One might be better at catching, one's better at blocking. We're not going to talk about who's who. But I love you both equally, and I'm not going to give an answer. Uh, Infinite's final question, how far do you think this Hawk team makes it? So, I have been around this league for over two years. Um, I know that this sim will hype you up and pull your heart out at the very last second. So I'm not going to say anything. Uh, I, I, I just want to say, you know, I really think we're a solid playoff team and a team that could make a good run come playoffs. And I'm not going to try to look too far ahead. You know, we still have 10 games left this year. Um, I'm doing everything in my power to make it, you know, make us a 10 win team. And, you know, did the math with Julio and the history of the Hawks. As long as we win more than 12 games, we're guaranteed to win an ultimus. You know, that's just mathematics. We can't argue with math. So the goal is to win it 13 games. If we go 13-3, and then, you know, we're going to be something special. But I really think this this team is the best Baltimore team in a very long time. And I think it does have what it takes, especially with the NSFC being the way it is. You know, right now Chicago's right on top of us. Berlin's not far behind. You know, Philly's still a strong team. They're probably going to have a resurgence. And I, I think we're just going to keep pushing hard. We're going to keep doing what we got to do. And, you know, step at a time, political answer. You know, got to make sure I'm a very good coach here. But, you know, we, we have a long season still left ahead. And this team looks special. It looks, it looks like a team that I've never been a part of. It has a different feeling than any team I've ever been a part of. So I feel like this could be a year where something special happens in the Baltimore locker room. Um, my next group of questions comes from Zane Zon. Zine. Um, his first question is, how did Paul Monter gain enough weight to move to offensive line? So there's this little thing. There's this, there's this place. I don't know if y'all have heard of it. It's called the Cheesecake Factory. Um, Paul Monter was a big fan in the offseason Cheesecake Factory. You know, they, they have so many different appetizers. Their menu is like 40 pages long. They have all kinds of different desserts. You know, cheesecakes are given. You know, there's ice cream, there's milkshakes, there's cakes. So I mean, you know, it started off from dinner there once a week to dinner there three times a week to dinner there every day, and next thing you know, he's a 330-pound monster. Uh, the next question from Z is: Baltimore's already only one game away from, try- from tying their record from last year. How much of the credit must be given to your biggest off-season acquisition, Davy Downbad? Now, I'm going to say this. This question was asked before our huge win yesterday. So, now we have tied our record. So, obviously, this is the best team that uh, I've been on it in Baltimore history. And all of it is Davey. I mean, from all of his clutch 35-yard kicks and all of his missed 20-yard kicks to set up huge safeties later on in the game. You know, the I'll give the credit to that. You know, he is a rookie. So, his TPE isn't, you know, huge. And... You know, kicking is real, you know, fickle. You know, sometimes, you know, this 200TP monster can knock down every kick. And sometimes a 700TP monster can't hit a, you know, broadside of a barn. And his kicking, you know, he's had some real good games. He's had a few bad misses here and there. But his punting has been automatic. I don't know how many times he's boomed a 60-yard kick and set it on a 10-yard line. So, you know, as jokingly as you are about, you know, debut down bad he has been a punting machine and really has helped us. I mean, he set up that huge safety for that first win in overtime and he's pinned back teams multiple times to let our defense work. So he's been pretty solid. Uh, the third question here, how was Davey Downbad single handedly transformed the Hawks into a winning organization? It's his presence. You know, people, people show up to see Davey Downbad. You know, they, they, they want his autograph. They want his picture. Women want, you know, kissed on the cheek babies want kissed on the cheek men want kissed on the cheek I mean when you see this man it lights up a room I mean I don't think I've ever seen a player that has had such a presence ever in a locker room before I mean we we named half the channel after him I mean he's got 10 channels that are just you know how great is Davey down bad today and the answer is always yes so I mean he really has transformed us and if if I could relocate and change everything we would just be the davy down bats the denver davy down bats. so last question what was the biggest difference from gming baltimore than philly um i guess the real big change is when i came into philly there was a pretty established veteran group you know they were people that have been Philly lifers, they've been in and out of the league at least for a long time, they've been jumping around from team to team, but they were people that had a huge veteran presence they were people that had knew all the history about Philly, they knew all the history of the league which was great for me coming into you know basically my first full season and they taught me so much that I was really I was there more to learn throughout my years, I mean I slowly took over and I became the veteran of the locker room, but they were really my learning process. They kind of how to GM, how to go about the league, how to finally find a a winning season, which we did pull off a huge winning season. We unfortunately lost in the playoffs and things kind of fell apart from there. But that whole process kind of showed me the correct way to go through a rebuild that you can't just try to force everything to win early on. You really have to have a solid foundation. And we had amazing people in Philadelphia. I'm, no, I'm not going to say anything about them. You know, they were great. We had, after the S22 class, we had amazing players through there that were doing everything in their power they could to win. But when I came over to Baltimore, after all of the big trades and the kind of the full reset, it. I went more into a mentor role compared to being the mentee. At least that's kind of how it felt. We, we had a bunch of young users that were kind of newer in the league. Some of them had recreates, but they really weren't super big names that were out and about, that everyone knew about. And we were bringing in these new users. I mean, I know everyone sees the flash of these super vets, super recreates we brought in. Like the Shady, the Big Red, the Infinite. But we also brought in some young users that a lot of people didn't really look into as these big pickups you know picking up jelly picking up trim pale, picking up pasta you know picking up janko the guys like that and a lot of people didn't see them as these huge pickups because they were blinded by the super vets that we brought in and i could say bringing those guys in and kind of teaching them more about the league and about the process and how everything works. You know, our war room has a lot of these younger players, you know, it has these guys that this is maybe their first player and this is kind of their first experience with simulation leagues and being able to go through this process is not trying to learn as much as I can and trying to instantly make an impact so I can make a mark on the league. It's more of, look, I've been through this rebuilding process. I know that, you know, you can easily mess it up. You can easily fail. You know, you can hit that stage where you can't break past that five, six win season that I've kind of seen what's important when it comes to building. I mean, I know the joke is always that I'm always inactive and I don't earn that much and I really don't do much as a general manager, but I have been through enough that I've seen what it takes to make that jump to the next level, to make that jump to a competitive team. I mean, I know this is our first season actually being decent, but it's taken five seasons, six seasons of making these big drafts and making sure we're keeping these players active and making sure we're building this solid foundation in a locker room where people want to stay in Baltimore. People want to hang out with each other. People want to interact. And It's been amazing. I mean, bringing in people like Apricot and, you know, he has been someone that has really just boosted our locker room. You know, he he is someone that you'll see his name everywhere, every channel talking. And it's so enjoyable to see that same thing with getting these international guys. Like you're getting Jelly and Trippel and then we have our Aussies. You know, it's really good to see that at any time of the day. You know, whether it's the middle of the day for us in the United States or middle of the night for us, there's always someone talking and interacting just because we have this big group. And that's something I really wanted to build to is that we're not having people that felt singled out because they are the only ones online at that time. And I feel like that's kind of been where that growth has taken over, where I saw the things in Philadelphia that were wrong, that could never fix. And I feel like I'm finally fixing them. You know, I, I'm not as overbearing about, I need to get stuff done in a certain way and bring in certain people, certain positions. Now it's more of who can fit our mold, who can fit our locker room where everyone's going to love them from the time they walk into the door, which has been how, you know, Wombat's been, been when we traded for um, LBG, been TLK, guys like that. You know, they're not these super earners that are going to blow you away, but they have been really fun to talk to in the locker room and that's really molded really well with everybody and it's led to more success because players want to be a part of that atmosphere i mean even dulio and bex i mean this is their first year joining and it felt like as soon as they stepped into the locker room they were a part of the crew and it felt like everything was just right and it's been amazing to see how we went from this locker room of three or four people during the, the when we first joined to what it is today and that's honestly it, I, it's been my favorite thing. I mean, even if we win, lose every game every year, we go 0 16 every year. As long as this group is together and we're having fun, then I, I'm I'm loving it. The next question is from NTG: um, Why would you hire blithering idiot as co GM? Like I said, we needed somebody that knew all the ins and outs of how to be an amazing offensive lineman, and you do that. And I mean, also, you know. The big reason I brought you in is because after I left the league the first time, you went and take my Myrtle Beach Buccaneers and moved them to Bondi Beach. You went ahead and took them all the way across the world, just so you could win an ultimini without me. You, know, you guys are this big successful team, and so I'm like, well, I don't want him to move Baltimore to like Perth or something, so I'll bring him in now. I can make sure that when I do leave. He's already too dug into Baltimore that they don't become like the Perth Eagles or something or they're like the the Melbourne Dingoes, you know? So that's why I brought you in. I didn't want you taking another one of my teams and moving them halfway across the world. Uh, So next question is from Big Red. Should you have been nominated for performance of the year for your week 15 punting last season? Okay, I just want to point out I am not normally a good player. You know, I I don't earn a lot. So obviously I don't put up these crazy stat lines. I don't have huge years other than the end of Zelos as a safety. He was pretty solid. And I might not have been a great kicker, but I was an amazing punter. And I think I was absolutely robbed of a lot of things when it came to last season. So you're saying week 15, which I believe is the game I punted for like 400 yards. Let me actually pull that up right now. I can tell the exact what happened there. Week 15, Philadelphia. So as a punter, I had five punts, 250 yards, the longest of 68. Now, I had an average of 50 yards per punt. All five of those punts landed inside the 20. So I'm not saying, you know, I might not have been the flashy 200 yards, three touchdowns running back, but you find a punter that pins this amazing Philadelphia offense last year into the 25 times from across midfield. I mean, you can't get better than that. That was a huge part of that win. And I'm also going to say I was the only punter that punted for 4,000 yards last year. So, you know, not getting a Pro Bowl nod kind of sucked. Alright, so let's look at Big Red's next question, which is, can we please trade or bench Gooseface? Well, at this rate, if we just say, hey, you want to be a quarterback, he'll put himself on the trade block. And he'll probably trade himself for like a seventh round pick. So that might be pretty easy to do. But I can also say that, you know, he's running the ball really good this year. (laughs) Goose has been, uh, as much as he has been drama off the field, he has still been talented on the field. You know, the Steelers didn't cut Antonio Brown until he started to suck. That's all I'm going to say. If he starts, you know, putting his feet in ice and killing them off and running off the field, then we'll consider it. And Big Red's last question. Where do babies come from? So what I'm going to say, as what I've learned as a new father for the past five months, babies come from maybe drinking a little too much on a, uh, a Friday night. And, um, you know, you'll get a little, uh, you know, a doorbell will ring, and you open the door, and there is a giant stork that's like, hey, good luck, nine months, you and me, baby. And, uh, yeah, that's where they come from. All right, now on to King Jellyfish. His question is, I'm going to say this wrong and show what a boomer I am, but Piggle or golden hawk? And obviously, the answer is Golden Hawk. I'm just not going to say anything. You know, Golden Hawk was an amazing, amazing idea. He blessed us all these years ago and showed us the light on how to be a successful organization. And ever since we op- opened the temple this season, we have been 5-1. and one. So, I'm going to send all my blessings to Golden Hawk because he is blessing us back. Uh, Jellyfish, next question. When will you finally retire as a GM so I can get the GM spot? I'm 100%. If we make the Ultimates this year, I will step down and give it to you. Like, I'm not even lying. This is 100% legitimate. If we make the Ultimates, it's the only dream I've ever wanted in this league to make championship. If we make it, even if we lose 100 to nothing, I will step down and give you the GM spot, Jelly. You can go ahead and write that down, pin it in the locker room. I don't care. I will give you the team if we make the Ultimates. Uh, Jelly's final question. Which current Baltimore players will get into the Hall of Fame? okay so Hall of Fame is a very weird kind of depending on the voter at the time situation and we're looking at at careers so also looking at different eras we have some really talented players but the the rebuild years kind of hurt a lot of that um like as, as much as I love the guys on our offense us having those bad seasons might hurt their career stats you know like they'll have the longevity and they'll have some big seasons but you know quick quick could have a good chance if he can keep up these thousand yard years and has the longevity for it same thing with goose and king um defensively we've had some amazing players and honestly if Lip Gallagher keeps playing as good as he does for the rest of his career. He could have a solid shot because the man is a locked down corner. Um, Lucas is having a ton of sacks that might help his case. Same thing with Sheriff Woody this season. Uh, I can't really tell. As someone that hasn't even sniffed a vote for the Hall of Fame, I really don't know what it takes to be a Hall of Famer. Um, I can say that after this past game, uh, Mahiai, Makoa Mahiai, has now became the second all-time leader in both receptions and yardage for tight ends in Baltimore Hawks history. The only person ahead of him is a Hall of Famer, so he could have a chance. He's got to do a little bit better because right now his uh, tight end, two has been bodying him when it comes to yardage, but he has second all-time now, so keep a good season up. It might happen. The next questions come from Trimpale or Trimpal or Trimpal or Trimpali or I don't know how to pronounce your name correctly now that I'm finally saying it out loud. Who is your favorite player on the team? And like I said multiple times, I do not have a favorite. I never have and never will. You know, I have been I've had multiple players on multiple teams, two different levels of sports. I will never have a favorite. Um I just, I really enjoy all of you. Everyone has their own perks, so I can't really say like, oh, you're the best one I want to talk to. Um, I've known Tom Hanks since I've joined the league, so we've always been close, but doesn't make him my favorite. You know, we do talk a lot, but we're not favorites. Same thing with Big Red. I really enjoy Big Red. When I was going through Philly, I kind of just knew him as a, another GM, but didn't really talk to him. But finally, coming into Baltimore, it has been amazing to kind of meet him and talk to him but I still can't say I have a favorite like <laughs> at any you and you're not going to get that answer out of me. Um so next question because I'm going to totally avoid that one. Favorite moment as a GM and player. Hmm. Favorite moment as a GM and as a player. That's a hard question. I'll be honest. I got to really dig deep on that one. My favorite moment as a GM probably will have to be when we made the playoffs in Philadelphia. That was something that it was seemed like a lot of hard work finally coming together. And it kind of it felt kind of how it does now in uh, Baltimore, where we've had all these years over and over and over and over where we were, you know, close to making it, but not quite, you know, we were a game away, two games away, you know, we were, we were right there on the cusp of it and, you know, threw a bad pick 16. It was something like that. It was always something where it was a gut-wrenching loss that kind of would just take us out of the playoffs. So when we finally broke through and we, we won that last game in week 14, which put us in the playoffs, it was it was so like euphoric you know it was it was so much excitement going through the locker room everyone was just jumping around you know you know on discord and it's not really physical i mean it might have been jumping around physically i don't know but it, it it was a moment that i will never forget finally making that playoffs after years of just being of being mediocre and you know having terrible sim luck and finally making that breakthrough And honestly, it's kind of the same way that I'm feeling now in Baltimore. It's that same kind of feeling where things are finally clicking correctly. And I'm hoping that this is my second trip to the playoffs just because everyone on the team has worked so hard for it. Now, a favorite moment as a player, um, I don't know, as a player, I really haven't, I've never had that like connection to my players because I've always been like a GM first and players just kind of been there to fill gaps. But making the Pro Bowl for the first time with uh, with my first player, just because it was, I was probably, I was very bad defensive end for like three or four years. And so when I finally made that Pro Bowl, I was like, hey, look, you know, I'm kind of decent. And then I made it, you know, the next year. So I was like, yeah, two-time Pro Bowl, you know, Mr. Inactive here. So that was always enjoyable, you know, finally getting some recognition for your player actually being good for once. Alright, so... Trimple's next question. Favorite draft pick just based off on best steal or something like that? Um... I've had a lot of people that i have really glad I was able to draft. Um, trading up to draft F oh uh, you know, when, when I think S19. That was great because it seemed like he was... He was a real bright light at a kind of hit or miss uh, Myrtle Beach at the time. It kind of seemed like they had... They had a couple big names, but you know he was kind of more of the middle ground at the time. So trading up to grab him was great because he was a real solid player for a couple years. Um, drafting Baron was all was huge because I mean he was the probably the best kicker you know I had ever had at the time, and I mean he was he was the centerpiece for a long time on that kicking department in, in Philly until Honolulu snatched him up. Um... Drafting Blassoon was huge. Blassoon was like the ninth quarterback picked. We actually drafted Tom Sofa in like the sixth round of that draft and then traded Tom Sofa, Tom Sofa to Sarasota for two picks. And one of those picks was like an eighth rounder or ninth rounder that turned into Blassoon. And that was a huge grab because it was just kind of a – we didn't need a quarterback, but we had heard good things about him. So he picked him up because he was there, and he was amazing. I mean, a lot of people have seen now what – Soon turned into i mean the gm doing everything he can his power to help the league improve and just an overall great guy so that was pretty good when it comes to steel department getting him as like the hundredth pick of the draft or you know something i mean something like that it it was crazy and then you always have the guys like uh you know jelly he was kind of a hidden pick when it comes to you know he wasn't the first big pick because we have the same draft that uh I believe that was the same draft as Goose and Quick. So he was kind of buried between, like, oh, those are the big names, and then here's Jelly. And then Jelly's been, I mean, he, he has been a major part for making Baltimore for this today. Just from his emotes and just from his personality. You know, he, he's been an amazing person. When we first talked to him, I remember it was kind of a, oh, this is a tight end. We kind of could use a tight end. Let's just message him. And I think the, the first thing he sent was like a Spongebob gif and I was like, oh, this is the guy. This is the guy right here, you know, and it was always just a fun from there. You know, we had so many of these players that we talked to and it's like we have to trade up to get them. You know, we, we were we were kind of sold on Trimpail like almost instantly because we knew this guy had, you know, he had that it. But then we started talking to um, started talking to Pasta and it's like, man, this guy, we, we can't let this guy go anywhere else. You know, this this is a player that is going to be amazing to have in the locker room. So we talked to Pasta for a little bit. And next thing you know, he's in our locker room in our lobby hanging out, just posting all of these little turtle emotes. And we're like, we got to get this guy. So that made us kind of want to jump up and trade to get first overall, second overall to make sure we got both Trimpelle and Pasta. And it's just guys like that where... When you enter the season and you kind of have an idea of who you're looking for in the draft class already but then this other player emerges that maybe isn't talked about as much you know throughout the league throughout the gms you know you're not seeing them mocked on like the first round mock draft and it's when you see those guys there and they come in and they have such a huge presence immediately it's like these are the ones you nailed it you know and anybody can go through and say yeah you know, Infinite's the best player in this draft. Shady's the best player in this draft. You know, you, and you that's easy to do because everyone knows this huge recreate's gonna be the guy. But when you do scouting and you talk to players and you actually meet their, see their personalities, and you're like, they might not be this perfect max earner, but this personality we cannot afford to let it go somewhere else. And that's kind of how it was with Apricot. You know, we were like, we can't let this personality, you know, this person go to somewhere else because he would be so great in our locker room and it'd be so great to hang out with every single day and that's kind of how we've been drafting I mean like I said everyone always looks at the big name recreates but we have some players that were just they were huge locker room pieces that we wanted for their locker room presence and their you know their earning was just a bonus on top of that and we we can't turn that kind of stuff down you know uh (laughs) Your last question, what's with the German tight end fetish? I mean, I get it, but maybe explain to other people so they can take part in it. So I didn't know I had this fetish. You know, I, I, I've i always liked tight ends. I've been a big tight end fan. Um, <laughs> But, you know, Jelly comes around and I'm like, look at this dude. This guy's great. Let's look at this tight end. He's like, oh, he's German. Oh, that's cool. We don't have any Germans on the team. We'll get some more international, you know. And then a couple drafts later, here comes another one. And I'm like, oh, another tight end. We can do a two tight end set. We'll do some stuff around. The guy's an amazing personality. I get him in the locker room, (laughs) starts talking to Jelly. Oh, we're both German. What are the odds of that? And I'm like, well, there it is. That is the connection I've needed. I didn't just need tight ends. I needed German tight ends. And you you can make fun of it all you want, but it is working. So obviously the key to being a successful organization is German tight ends. So just saying it looks like that is our last question we have received um i appreciate all you guys are asking questions you know it, podcasts are always fun you know i can sit here and just talk and ramble all day but there's no fun in that i like to you know kind of get some questions i like to just talk to you guys you know see what you guys are thinking you know see what you guys want to have you know said aloud you know especially when it comes to your rivalries in the locker room but um as I've said before, this this Baltimore team feels special. And I'm, I'm hoping that when I come back in 2022 to, or 2023 to do my next podcast, I'm talking about the seven ultimate championships we won in a row. So uh, thank you guys for listening to this, taking 40 minutes of your time to listen to some Southern man ramble about fake football. Uh, so everybody, please be safe, you know, get vaccinated and, you know, wear your masks. You know there's no reason for anybody to get sick if you don't need to you know just enjoy your life and everyone have fun and my baby is crying so that means it is time for me to go so see you guys